This is Donna Skoglund, and you are listening to The Pleasure Project Podcast, episode 140. This podcast took me a little while to put together, and that's why there's it's a little bit later than usual, but it's very personal to me, and I've actually been quite emotional thinking about everything that I'm going to share with you today. And this information is very important, and it is all about your body image. No matter what you look like, chances are at some point you have struggled with a negative self-image. In this podcast, I'm going to dive into why that is, and it has nothing to do with the size and shape of your body. This is especially for women. However, if you're a man, I think it would also greatly benefit you to listen to this episode. And This is inspired by a lot of research that I've recently learned about that I think more women need to know about so that you can understand that your body shape is not a problem, so that you can feel more beautiful and truly love the skin you're in. Because I think when you love the skin you're in, you take better care of yourself. And when you take better care of yourself, You're able to take better care of the people around you, and you're able to show up as the best version of yourself. And this is why starting with the relationship that you have with yourself is so important. So if you have ever looked in the mirror and picked yourself apart, or you've felt shame around your body, or you've noticed yourself feeling less than as you look at the bodies of other women, keep listening. Beauty is our number one insecurity as a gender. Brene Brown's research shows that the biggest shame that we experience as women is not being attractive or thin enough. And no matter how thin we get or how attractive we are, we still always feel like it's not enough. Studies have shown that men overestimate how attractive they are while women always underestimate. So you are literally, statistically more attractive than you see yourself, than you rate yourself. So why is this? Why, as women, are we judging ourselves so harshly and thinking of ourselves so negatively? Well, there's really good reasons why. Well, they're not good, but there are important reasons so that you know that it's not because of how you look. We live in a culture where we have been conditioned to believe that we will never be enough, attractive enough, thin enough, successful enough. So our options are either to, one, work like hell to get to that place where we finally feel like we're enough or to throw in the towel and stop caring at all because all that striving is so exhausting and demoralizing. So whatever camp you're in, I want to also give you a third option. And that is to take care of yourself, but not because You don't feel like enough, but from a place of feeling beautiful and abundant and sufficient and whole and complete. And I hope after this episode 
you will be able to see how that is possible for you. So this place of enough is somewhere where we will never arrive. Because what does that even mean? And we have to really define what that means for us. But if we don't define our own standards, or we don't just decide that we are enough right now, then we are going to continue to play out a lifetime of indoctrination of Western beauty standards, patriarchy, hierarchy, and that will make it impossible to feel good in our bodies. So I want, I'm going to share quite a lot of statistics and studies around this so that you can just see how huge this is. So 80% of 10-year-olds, 10-year-old girls, think they are fat. After 12 years old, it's very difficult to change the indoctrination of those beauty standards and the stories that we've been told over a lifetime. Researchers have identified that the more attractive human Disney characters are, the more they are shown as smart, kind, and with happy outcomes. On the flip side, the unattractive and bigger characters are seen as mean, aggressive, and unhappy. So of course they don't want to grow up looking like that. And when you look at what we are given as little girls and shown, Barbie and Disney characters, and this is the ideal, right? This is the ideal of beauty. Their hip-to-waist ratio is biologically impossible. Impossible. It is cannot achieve that and still be living and have organs in your body. <laughs> so this is what our children are up against. I have two boys and there are many days that I'm so thankful that I have boys so I don't have to deal with all of this. But I, if you have girls, I feel for you so deeply because we are giving them toys that are shattering their self-confidence. The research shows that we really need to change these stories because they are killing us, literally. The amount of 8 to 12-year-olds girls with anorexia which is the deadliest mental illness, has doubled in the last two decades. Girls are twice as likely to suffer from depression. And the more body shame college women reported, the less sexually assertive they reported, meaning they were not less likely to set boundaries. So your body image is tied to self-worth, self-respect, self-confidence, and, and really your own physical safety. Between the ages of 8 and 14, girls' confidence drops 30%, while boys stays pretty much the same. Women are more prone to overthinking, rumination, negative self-talk, self-doubt, low self-worth, assuming the worst, going to worst-case scenario, and we establish this at a young age. There was also a study of college girls who sat in, they were put into two groups. Half of them were sat in a swimsuit for 10 minutes before taking a math test, and the other halves were told to wear a sweater. So the ones wearing a swimsuit 
performed significantly worse. So thinking poorly about your body harms everything. And this is as old as history. In medieval times, it was seen as godly to be satisfied with less. So it was considered immoral to overindulge. Sound familiar? Our body shape is often tied to affluence, to wealth. Foot binding in 10th century China meant that women who could barely walk didn't have to work. In the 14th to 17th century in European Renaissance, the men decided that plump women were beautiful because they could afford to eat well and lounge around every day. It came down to which women were wealthy enough not to work and visually showed that. When sugar was introduced in Europe, bodies became fatter, shifting the story that larger bodies were a result of not being able to restrain ourselves. So then it was about how disciplined and intelligent were. That was tied to beauty. In the 1800s, someone realized that this obsession with thinness could make some people rich. So insurance companies and doctors made up the idea of a normal weight, quote unquote normal, and they created the body mass index. Totally made up, by the way. Now, this body mass index was exclusively based on white men and ensured that they didn't have to help everyone because only white men met these BMI standards. In 1990, the Department of Health released a report that basically said that if you're fat, it's your fault. Just focus on your behaviors and then you can change it. However, so much research at the time said that there are actually very impactful social and environmental factors that influence behaviors, like access to affordable produce, a living wage to pay for it, childcare, so that they could have time to exercise. So it's not as simple or easy as just working harder. If you've tried to just work harder and failed, that's because that's not how you change. And There was no support in how to change habits, how to change lifestyle. And the thing is, doctors are poorly equipped to help people with weight loss. They only have 19 hours of nutrition in medical school and probably zero in behavioral change, although I don't know that as a fact. If you're a doctor, let me know. They tell patients they need to lose weight without any support on how. And if they took the time to actually educate their patients and give them guidance on how to change their behaviors, they would probably make less money because they wouldn't be able to see as many patients. So it would cost them money and they're not motivated to do that because this is making people money. In 2000, lobbyists for weight loss clinics told the government to declare an obesity epidemic so they could solve it, quote unquote, solve it by doubling down on saying that it's personal responsibility and and then be there to save the day. But since 1959, 98% of weight loss attempts fail. 98%. So just telling people that they need to change how they're eating 
or change how they're exercising and work harder at it isn't the answer. It does not work. Weight loss was a $250 billion industry in 2021. So the stories that have created this fat phobia and these unrealistic standards are all about power and greed. Now, the fashion industry has also played a huge part in this, obviously. 70% of American women are a size 14 or larger, but they're labeled as plus size, 70%. So as a result, 80% of clothing is made for only 20% of the women. So why is this? Why aren't fashion companies creating clothes for larger women? Because the minority is what's represented in the media. The actresses, the models, the influencers, the stars, the singers, celebrities are pressured into being a size two so they can fit into all the samples. And so they will do everything they can and do and go to all lengths to maintain these tiny bodies. And then everyone else feels like they need to do the same. So thinness is aspirational and brands want to be associated with more affluence and ideal definitions of beauty. But again, it's all about who is gaining power and benefiting from this, from this thing that is so impossible for the vast majority of people, mass majority of women. So we live in a time where Social media is a huge part of the younger generation's life, even you know all of us. And media exposure is what influences what is ideals. It's what sets the standards. So there was a really powerful example of this in an iconic study by Harvard Medical School professor Anne Becker of girls in Fiji before and after they got access to Western TV shows. The Fijian culture prized larger, stronger bodies. So girls were encouraged to eat heartily so they could become fat. So the idea of wanting a smaller body was not even in their head at all. Because their whole, for generations and generations, they, that wasn't something that they were striving for. But just three years after gaining access to Western TV shows, of the girls thought they were too fat, and 29% had symptoms of severe eating disorders. That is huge. It took only three years to undo generations of beauty standards. So what about the rest of us that have had this since the day we were born? But what this shows, and The beauty standards are not the same all over the world. They are different in African cultures versus European cultures versus American versus South American. What this means is that thinness is not inherently more beautiful. This is just a made up story that benefits certain people, people that can make money from it. And I want you to also think about this. The people who want us to be smaller also want us to be smaller in every way, to not take as much space in the world, i.e. have less power. 
So if we want to truly embrace equality of the sexes, we also need to accept more diversity in our bodies. So less ranking of genders genders leads to less ranking of bodies. We cannot challenge Western beauty standards until we change so many other things. Larger bodies have even been shown to have lower salaries. Now, this also relates to toxic productivity. We live in a culture in the West, if you're in the West, that is obsessed with productivity. And so there's nothing more shameful than not working hard enough. So we've come to associate fatness with laziness, even though there's zero correlation between those two things. Society says that working hard is what makes you successful. So we stress ourselves out trying to keep up with our culture's expectations of doing enough and looking good enough, which is a place we will never arrive. And boy, oh boy, I have definitely been in this. And I, as I learn more and more about what I'm sharing with you today, I'm really challenging and, and thinking hard about all of that. Because as long as that narrative holds strong, companies profit. Think about it. If a woman is relaxed and well-rested and she feels like she's enough and she's beautiful and she's in her pleasure, she's less profitable. There's less buying stuff. There's less retail therapy. There's less seeking instant gratification. There's less grasping at things to fill the void of not enoughness, feeling like, oh, I just need this thing to feel enough. This means she's less controllable. But the thing is, because of all this socialization that we all have, if you live in the West, when you do less, it feels dangerous. And this is something that I have really been working on in the last year or so, and understanding intellectually that doing more is not the answer and doing, I don't need to try to constantly do more, do more, do more. But when I really try to slow down and do less, it feels very unsafe. And that is, again, all of this indoctrination over a lifetime. So the problem is when we try to go against this socialization, it, it's hard. It's not easy. And we sometimes don't even trust that it's the best choice. We question, maybe I should be doing more. Maybe I should just tick one more thing off of my to-do list. Maybe I should just put in another hour. <sighs> so these stories have been told throughout history and passed on from generation to generation. And I grew up as doing ballet. And so the, there was a huge emphasis on bodies and being very small, very skinny, very thin. And I thought I was going to be a ballerina until I got to, I think it was middle school or maybe it was high school. I can't remember where it was the talk, the talk with basically the people that were running the Houston Ballet Academy. And they basically were the ones that told you yes, you can move forward and pursue this or nope, you're out. And they told me 
I was out. They said I didn't have the body. And now if you've seen my body, I don't, I'm not big. I have what probably most people would say is a a small body and a fit body and a, a, a nice body, but it wasn't enough. And my heart was broken because I had never really thought about any doing anything else. And in that moment, my dreams were crushed and I really had to think about what I was going to do now. <laughs> what was I going to be when I grew up? Because I really did think I was going to be a ballet dancer. Now, looking back, I know everything happened exactly as it was supposed to because there is no place I'd rather be than right here doing what I do, talking to you, coaching, teaching, sharing this invaluable information. And that is where it starts. We have to become aware of these unconscious beliefs that we've been conditioned to believe so that we can stop allowing them to run our lives and prevent us from feeling good in our bodies and our lives. These stories are not what we want to pass on to the next generation, which means that we have to do the work of not believing them anymore, not reacting to them anymore. And this is not easy. And it really does start with first just understanding the actual facts, which is your body is not a problem. Your body's shape is not a problem. It is what we've been taught to believe about our bodies. And we have completely impossible standards that are literally, it's impossible for so many of us to achieve. And we are wasting so much of our life force, energy, and our time, and our brain power focusing on this instead of truly living our purpose and loving ourselves and making a positive impact. So some things that you can start to become aware of. Now, I mentioned I was in ballet, and so You know, I had teachers and the environment. Those were things I could not control. But my mom would often talk very poorly about her own body. She would complain about her stomach. She would talk about being fat. And she never, ever, ever said anything about my body. She actually always said that I had a beautiful body. But I saw her talking badly about her own body. And so I did the same about to me, about myself. And not only that, but as I saw her judging her body, I started judging other people's bodies. And all of us are judging each other's bodies. So notice when you're doing that. Notice just the subtle, like, what are you looking at when you're looking at other women? Maybe you're noticing their clothes and you're thinking, oh, they shouldn't be wearing that or she should be wearing that or, oh, look at that. That's that's not flattering. That's not attractive. Just catch yourself. That is the first step, is just creating more awareness. And then once you have awareness, then you have the ability to change the narrative. And that is what needs to happen. We need to change the story because loving the skin you're in, feeling beautiful and good in your body starts in our mind, as everything as everything does. It starts with our thoughts. It starts with our beliefs. 
And it's hard to change our thoughts and beliefs until we're aware of what our current ones are. So that is the first step. And this is the work that we do in the Pleasure Project program, is uncovering these unconscious beliefs that we have been living by and then creating new narratives so that we can truly find pleasure and joy within ourselves in a world where we are inundated with messages that we are not enough. I would love to hear your thoughts, so please reach out. And if you found this valuable, please share it. Share it with your women friends. I would really appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast. This helps me help more people. And if you're not someone who takes the time to do that, do that. I, I really invite you to. It only takes a second and it would mean the world. Thank you for listening and I will talk to you soon.